Wow. Well, good morning, saints. It's so good to have you here with us on live stream. I just wanted to touch on this. Many people are going through tough times. This COVID pandemic has not left the church unscathed. It's not left believers untouched. It's affected everybody, and especially now in this third wave and this new variant that's come out. It's like everybody knows everybody that is sick, and everybody knows somebody that has lost loved ones. And right at this particular present time, there are many members of ACF who are facing COVID, who are experiencing the COVID virus, who are not well, and uh, sick with it right now, even as we speak. And so it's affected us. Some have lost jobs. Um, We're just praying for um, a young lady this week, and there's others that we're praying for as well. She just advised me that um, her parents have got COVID. She's lost her job, struggling to pay the rent, and uh, we really are praying. And maybe there's feelings of heaviness or even despair, hopelessness, and maybe you're not that kind of a person. Maybe you've been through enough in your Christian walk that depression or heaviness or hopelessness is not part of the package, but then there's frustration. You know, um, I can honestly say that I'm so frustrated with this particular pandemic. And, and at the same time, I've got great sympathy, great awareness of you know, the potential of it to kill people. And that's why we pray. But for me, it's a great frustration because it seems as if the vision has been put on hold. It seems as if the kingdom is on hold. And I know it's not, but you know, you go through times where you get frustrated. And uh, there's frustration concerning our children and their education, our jobs, just the fluency of life, you know, which we were involved in. Our routines have been thrown out. We have to adapt. But um, one of the things that I know is that it does cause us to become tough. And that's how we need to respond. I remember years ago speaking to someone and uh, just talking about worldwide meeting South Africans all over the world that are in fantastic jobs, in management and leadership positions. And this particular person said, we like to employ South Africans because they're mentally tough. Now, that's a compliment to us as South Africans. But listen, for us as believers, we need to be like that. And I'm trying to say it on one hand to encourage, but on the other hand to be empathetic, completely empathetic with people that are struggling. I know what struggling is all about. And so let's call it trials. That's what the Bible calls it. At the moment, this pandemic is a trial. And we could even go one step further to talk about what Peter says, and we'll come to the verse. Uh, James refers to it as trials. It depends what translation that you read. The King James says temptation. The NIV says trials. But Peter says this in 1 Peter, it's the testing of your faith. And um, that's what I want to just talk about this morning. The first thing is this, that James gives us some solid advice, that great apostle. And he says this, and whatever it is that we're going through, and I'm going to explain it, but whatever it is, trials, and even the word temptation in the Greek, we'll have a look at it, is a very broad term. And trials, when trials come, this is James' advice. Now, you're not going to like the advice. It's going to sound terrible. It's going to sound almost unsympathetic, unempathetic. But listen. If you hear the story of James's life, how he was brutally martyred for the Lord, I mean, these guys knew what they were talking about. And so he says, consider it, and that's something that we have to do. We have to adopt a mental approach to our trials. And James says this, have this mindset. I'm borrowing words from Paul from Philippians 2. And he says, consider it pure joy. Now, that's a hard one to swallow, so let's just think about that for a moment. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, varied, various, many trials. And James says, adopt this mentality. Consider it pure joy. So, Paul tells us in Hebrews that we are to regard it as the Father training us and treating us as sons. But anyway, that's for another time. But the word perasmos, which we translate temptation in the King James, trials in the NIV, 
signifies afflictions, persecutions, or trials of any kind. And he says, count it in the King James. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Now, you know, it seems like a strange thing to do, but I want to tell you this. God never advocates despondency. God is a hyper-positive God. The Word is hyper-positive. And so faith is positive. You know, now faith is. And if you look at it, it's such a positive statement about faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. We can consider it pure joy. Let's just look at the baseline. You know, bottom line is we can consider it pure joy because if we respond correctly to trials, it's what it produces in us that we can be joyful about. So Jesus says this, blessed are ye, blessed, come on, blessed are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. Now, here he's talking about persecution. We're not particularly being persecuted, but he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Can you see it's a consistent theme when we face trials? Jesus says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And that's just taking it a step higher than James, isn't it? For great is your reward in heaven. So there's a reward coming out of it if we respond in the right way. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So now, you know, I will probably refer to it later, but let me just say it now, is that things happen in the world and we are not exempt just because we are righteous. There is an amount of protection, but God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His grace is sufficient for us so that we can face and go through trials. On the odd occasion, God takes us around. On the odd occasion, He lifts us up and takes us over. Every now and then, He gives us a breakthrough, but more often than not, the breakthrough is inside of us in going through the particular trial. So we're not exempt, church. It's happening in the world and it's affecting us. But God has given us great and precious promises that we need to stand on. And so the Lord uses our times of temptations. And there are periods where it's more intense than others for whatever reason. Sometimes we're just more vulnerable. We're in an emotional space or a a spiritual space where the enemy takes advantage. I mean, there's many times when you are just not so susceptible to temptation, but then there's other times when we're not so impervious, where we are just a little bit more vulnerable. And so God uses those times, our own weaknesses, you know, our Achilles tendons, our failings, sometimes which comes about by a complete lack of wisdom. You know, sometimes we are just so doffy, stupid, we don't do what God tells us to do. But, you know, God understands. That's why Jesus became high priest. He became flesh. And because he became flesh, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, he is able to empathize with us on every point. And so we go through attacks by people through their weaknesses, their sins, their innocent actions, but motivated by their own flesh. Or, you know, where they are directly motivated by sin and the enemy and they attack us. You know, we're not impervious to that. Relationship struggles. I mean, you know, we're living in this life and, and we're going to go through things. You know, that's why people try and get into control because in relationships, <laughs> you can't determine what the others are going to do. And so, those struggles, sickness, and you know, none of this is from God, but most of it is from us. But sickness is just present in the world. The world is sick, so sickness is going to come. And uh, it's not from God, but God is the past master at utilizing all of these things. He maximizes on it. He utilizes the opportunity to expose in us not in a negative way, not in a horrible way. You see, you can't change a thing until you own it or when you own up to it. 
And so a lot of our stuff is hidden below the surfaces of our lives, and most often we are the last people to be aware of it. God is always aware of it. And so very often when it says to expose, not in an ugly way, not in a harmful way, but to bring it up to us, put it in front of our faces so that we can see it. If we can see it, we can acknowledge it. If we can see it and acknowledge it, then means we can change it, saints. And so it becomes a means to refine us. He allows and he uses these things. Now, a lot of people see in it the unfairness of God. They see in it some even the wickedness of God. Some see in it even that God becomes the evil one, the devil, because he has the power to stop it. Why does he not stop it? And uh, that's a whole other subject. Listen, God put us as gods on this earth, and we are to rule and reign. And number one, and so he can't keep intervening in our lives. Yes, we can call on him, and then we can get his wisdom. But God can't, otherwise we'd be automatons. We would be robots. You know, we would be pre-programmed to act in a certain way. And I love what somebody said, the highest ethic is love. And so in that ethic, God created us in love. God created us with a free will and the freedom to choose. And he would be breaking that principle, that ethic of love, if he would be to step in always and to take over because he would not be respecting our free will. So he certainly allows it. He allows the testing, the, the proving. Let's use Peter's words, the refining of our faith. Now, faith is going to feature, Paul tells us in Romans 12, that to every man is given a measure of faith. Every human being has got faith. It's part of the image of God that he created in us. Just like if you can doubt, which is the reverse of faith, in fact, it's a negative form of faith because it's believing something other than the Word of God. So it's unbelief or misbelief. And so faith is part of the image of God. Human beings have the ability to believe because you believe bad news, you believe bad stories, you believe, you know, you believe economic reports, you believe it. And it gets you into doubt concerning the Word of God. And so what we got to do is believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. And I love this. I was listening to someone and they said this, you know, faith is a gift, but it's a God attribute. And so in every one of us is a God attribute. There is this gift of faith. There's this faith that is in us. And what happens in trials is God is looking for God in us. In other words, what God is looking to do is to respond to that God attribute that is already in us. That attribute is called faith. So when we go through difficult times, God is trying to refine God or this God attribute of faith in us so that it will respond to God so that God can respond to us to that God quality in us. I hope that makes sense. So it will be God responding to God, God speaking to God inside of us. I love what Prophet Kerber said. He said, faith is God's gift to us. Believing with that faith is our gift to God. So just a couple of lessons. We're doing well for time. A couple of lessons from First Thessalonians. You know, the church in Thessalonica was going through great difficulties, great persecution, and we can just extract some principles out of this. So I'm going to very quickly read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 from verses 1 to 8. And it says this, Paul said, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, and we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ. I kind of feel like Paul, you know. I can't stand it any longer. Not seeing you guys. I can't wait until the church is full again and you're all here. He says, I'm sending Timothy, listen to this, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So faith can be strengthened and encouraged. And there's many ways, many ways you can strengthen and encourage your faith. But one of the ways is through another person, through their ministry, through their words, their proximity to you in trials, through their prayers, uh, through their example. There's so many ways. And so Paul says this, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Now, listen, ACF, 
The reason why I felt this word on my heart yesterday is to bring it to you so that you will not become unsettled in your faith by these trials. There's a lot of people, there's so much confusion going on. Some say one thing about this virus, some say the other. There's extreme conspiracy views. And then there's the mediocre line. And then, of course, then there's the other line where, you know, all is good and we're just innocently going about our business trying to produce a vaccine and shame we don't know how this virus got around. And somewhere in this extreme from left to right is the truth. And who knows at this point in time what it is. And I'm getting a lot of people sending me video clips saying, what do you think? What do you think? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. You know, I'm not a specialist physician. I don't know. You know, I've got a head on my shoulders and I can read and make assumptions and things like this. But the media and, and oh, it's a little bit about the bad thing of social media. It's a good thing as well, but it's a little bit about a bad thing. So there's a lot of confusion. Prophet, do I take the vaccine or not? I don't know. <laughs> and so, you know, so those are things that you have to work out and work out with your conscience, do your study and speak to your doctor or whoever or some specialist or whatever. I don't know. And so I just don't want you to become unsettled in your faith. As your prophet, as your man of God, that's what I'm concerned about with you. Please, by these trials, don't become unsettled in your faith. And, you know, unfortunately, in Christendom, in the church worldwide, we're seeing how it unsettled Christians. Now, it's not supposed to do that. Any shaking of the world is not supposed to shake Christians. We are receiving a kingdom, Hebrews 13, that cannot be shaken. But listen, listen, if you have been worldly-minded worldly orientated in that sense, then the shaking will affect you. And then it needs to affect you so that you can get back to the kingdom and get back to faith and to hope and positivity and all of these kinds of things. My goodness, if we can't handle this pandemic, how would we handle specific targeted persecution against us for being Christians like many are around the world. Do you know that there are more Christians dying as martyrs today than in the history of Christianity? It's not reported because it's not newsworthy and the world will not acknowledge it. And so how would we handle those? Don't become unsettled in your trials. Paul says, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. Oh my word. Did the apostle Paul say that? Oh my goodness. You can read it in the Hebrew, the Greek, the lexicon, any translation, and you will see Paul says this. You Thessalonians know quite well that you are destined, not only for trials, for them he said you are destined for persecution. In fact, he said, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. When he says we, him, and Timothy, and the others with him, plus the Thessalonian church, he said, you're going to be persecuted. So he said this, and he said, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. You know, that's another way of saying, I sent Timothy to find out about you. How are you doing? And Paul wasn't so much concerned you know, is the persecution got less? Has it got more? Because he says it's a fact of life. It's going to happen. But what I want to know, what is the quality, the standard? What is the height of your faith? How is it being expressed? That is my main concern. And church, that's my concern. He says this, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Oh my goodness. So I've been doing a study Remember, I did that teaching uh, it's on a Udemy course. Now, you can get it on uh, who is Satan really. And uh, Satan is not Lucifer, and, um, you know, but there is a Satan, but he's not Lucifer. And so uh, I'm going to do three parts, or maybe even four, but three for now on Udemy. This next is who is the God of this world. It might shock you, but it's not the devil. It's not Satan. But there is a real devil. And, and so what happens is, the word devil or Satan means an adversary or a tempter or accuser. And so that's one of his works. It's very interesting that when Jesus was in the wilderness, the Bible says the devil came to him. 
And then it says, and then the tempter said. And so part of the work of the devil is to do tempting. So he is the tempter. And so, of course, what will happen during trials, he will try to tempt you to take another route other than God. Or he will tempt you into accusing God. Or he will tempt you into accusing others. Or he will tempt you into accusing yourself, your own conscience to yourself. And he will try and tempt you into sin. He will try and tempt you into abandoning God. He will tempt you into abandoning church church and just watching on live stream church. Now, I know I'm speaking to people who would rather be in church, but there's this temptation that comes. Now, Timothy brings back an encouraging report, but so listen to what Paul says. So Paul is concerned about their faith that they would not succumb to the tempter. So church, that's my concern. You know, God has got answers in his word. He's got ways. He's got principles. Let's not react. Let's respond according to God's word. But Timothy, he says, has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about what? Not about their giving even. He says about your faith and your love. My goodness. You know, faith and love go hand in hand. You know, if I've noticed that if people's faith crashes, so does their love. If their love crashes, so does their faith. Because Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. That's the Christian work. You know, the Christian world, that's the description of Christianity because it's the faith. You know, we are in the faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. But if we have faith in God, it's going to result in a lifestyle of love. And he was saying, these two aspects, these two words that define Christian conduct, come on, Thessalonian church, I'm so encouraged because Timothy says your faith in love is strong and alive. He says he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us. Now, I hope, I hope, church, I hope the feeling is mutual. I hope you're longing to see us as well. And he says, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your Faith. Oh, my word. This is such an awesome word. I just pray that by the Spirit of the Scriptures and the Spirit of God Himself, that your faith would be stirred up, that it hasn't become unsettled and wobbly. He says this, but now we really live, we, since you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, how do you stand firm in the Lord? In faith, <laughs> by believing God. So what was the particular trial of the Thessalonian church? I just did a little bit of a background check. What were they going through? What trial were they going through? And uh, we can just progress a few verses, and we find out from Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. He says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God of God. Come on, church. Let's not get familiar with this word. It's not a human word. Don't become familiar with the preached word. If it's preached with correct theology, it's not the word of a human. It's the word of God, and we receive it as such. Now, imagine, imagine if one day Jesus could pitch up here at church and say, right, I'm going to preach. Imagine the attention we would give, because this is the word who became flesh giving the word. But, you know, we need to search it out because we're not Jesus. But if it is a right word, we need to respond in the same way as if Jesus himself were preaching it. And so he says this. He said, you accepted it as the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Woo so one of the prime ways, just as an incidental comment on this reading, that you can stand firm and have your faith more settled he said, get into the Word of God and receive it as the Word of God. It will start to work in you who believe it and Him. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. So now Paul is bringing the churches around Jerusalem to the churches in Thessalonica and um, in that whole area, that region. And he said, you know, what's happening with you 
is you became imitators of that, those churches because you've heard about what's happening to those churches. Now, the churches in Judea were being persecuted by the Jews. We'll see now as we continue to read the text. And what the Thessalonian Christians did is they looked at what the churches in Judea were going through, and they said, oh my, that's how we're supposed to respond. Oh my goodness. Become imitators. Mimic. Mimic as an example, those who are being an example. And so Paul said this, you became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone in the effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. So I will finish reading those verses now. So in other words, what Paul is saying is, what those churches went through from the Jews, you are going through in Thessalonica by your neighbors, your people around you who are not Jews. In fact, the Thessalonians, the Bible says, were in the context of idol worshipers, pagans. And Paul talks about that in 1 Thessalonians. He says, how you turn to the living God from idols. And so he was saying different groups of people, one lot pagan, one lot Jews, but we're going through the same persecution. But you were able then to look across to Judea and imitate those who were being persecuted. Look, the same, same result at the end of the day, same devil is to try and stop you from speaking the word of God, from being an example. Listen to what Paul says as he finishes. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. And so he was referring to AD 70, which was imminent. It was close by because they were adding to their sins until judgment came. So in other words, listen, church. It can be COVID and whoever's behind it Whatever's instigating it, behind the human beings is a very real devil who is opposed to the church. That devil and those human beings, if they are operating with knowledge, will also come under the judgment of God. But you will be spared. You will be safe. So Paul refers to these two particular groups. Now, it's interesting that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul writes this, and he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In other words, let's take persecution out. Let's keep it relevant to the pandemic. We will go through trials. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that himself. He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Let's take persecution out because we're not there. But let's just look at the trials that we're going through. Um, just the fact, even if there was no pandemic, just the fact of you being a Christian living in an unbelieving world which is hostile to God and an enemy of God, is automatically hostile to you. In other words, it is not conducive to your walk as a Christian. Unbelievers are not going around patting you on the back and saying, keep serving God, you know, let's go for it. There's a spirit in this world, subtle or extreme, that opposes your Christianity. And it is a fact that we are always, as Christians, in fact, the more spiritual you want to be, the more you want to grow in the Lord, the more opposition there is. You know, you can just try it as a test. You know, we, we are in four weeks of fasting and prayer. Make a declaration tomorrow morning. I dare you. I am going to fast and pray for two days and see the reaction that happens. It's amazing. Suddenly you become hungrier than you've ever become in your whole life <laughs> because you've declared a fast. Suddenly everything goes wrong. It's amazing. And I can tell you categorically for me, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, 1,000 out of 1,000, if I say, and I don't even need to announce it, I can just say in my heart, I'm going to fast and pray for a week. 
I cannot tell you that within minutes the phone starts ringing. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got trouble. Everybody wants counseling. Everything. And it's almost like the spiritual atmosphere is just loaded against and saying, you think you're going to fast. There's no ways. And you know that there's this subtle opposition always, subtle to outright. And so we can learn lessons just even when things are going good, how to respond, let alone when we're in trials like the pandemic, let alone when we're being actively persecuted. So let's just have a look at it. You know, Paul gives thanks for the Christians at Thessalonica. And uh, one of the things that he commends them for is how they responded positively to the Word of God and how the Word of God was producing fruit in their lives. And so the first thing is, I, I don't know about you, but have you noticed, and here's my confession, when things get tough, I don't know why, but it's like my spiritual disciplines take the first knock. When things go tough, it's almost like, I don't know why, and so I don't want to read the Word. I don't want to pray. I'm, trying, I'm scrambling in my mind to try and deal with this situation, and it consumes my time. And the first thing that it encroaches on is my word time and my prayer time and my worship time. Why do we abandon those first? You know, it's crazy. We should entrench ourselves in those even directly. It's our lifeline. It's where we find God. It's where we go to, to get His presence. And I mean, isn't that bizarre? I mean, if that's the only thing that the Lord wants to correct, it's worth it. That we get driven every time to the sanctuary of His Word, into the sanctuary of His presence. You know, it's what David, when he was being pursued, and obviously those days theology was different, God was in the temple. But you know, for us, it's God is in our inner place, our secret place. And he would just talk how he's panting and yearning, I just can't wait to get there. And you know, the tougher things should be, we should run. That's our strong tower. That's our place of refuge. That's where we're going to get strength. That's where we're going to get wisdom. That's where we're going to get the grace to go through to obtain more mercy, Hebrews chapter 4. And so their response, not their reaction, their response. Second thing is, they began to look for positive examples. It's like, hey amen, we're going through these things. Who can I look at? Oh, the churches in Judea. Come on, church, you all know somebody <laughs> that faces trials. You know, a, you know, years ago, we had someone in this church that, you know, would go through particular illnesses and things like this. And, oh, my word, the long mouth and the droopy face and, the, and you know, the whatever. And how repeatedly I would speak to this brother and say, hey, brother, that's not an example. You're a mature believer. You know, that's, you know. You know, imagine young people and Christians coming around us, older people, and all they is, <laughs> you know, groaning and complaining. What they need to hear is positivity and positive confession. Not a denial of the sickness, but denying the finality of it. You know, by his stripes I'm healed. Positivity. And you know, the amazing thing, I was going through the same disease, Lyme's disease. I was going through the same thing. And, and I, I took him aside one day and I said, brother, there's days when I stand here and I feel like I'm going to collapse behind the pulpit. Everything is spinning. I have to hold on to the pulpit, but I force a smile on my face and I press for words of knowledge and, and I trust God for words of knowledge for sickness and I pray and people get healed. But when I close the service, I've got to stand there because I feel like I'm going to collapse. And I said, have you heard me complaining? Have you seen me complaining? When you come in, when others come in and ask me, hey, prophet, how are you doing? I go, hey, I'm blessed, I'm well, in Jesus' name, by his stripes I'm healed. And I stand up and preach. I go home and I collapse at home and I rest out until the next day. And that's what I did for 12 to 15 years. But listen, the moaning is not going to help. So it's our response. But where do we look? Find an example and say, let me be an imitator of them. Paul tells us in Hebrews, imitate your leaders who stood in faith. You know, Jesus Christ, our ultimate leader, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the forever consistent one. But he was taken before the shearers. But like a sheep, you know, he was dumb when he was quiet. He didn't cry out. And so there's an example on how to face persecution. Amen. Paul assures his readers that those who oppose the gospel are objects of God's wrath. So listen, pandemic will be judged. Its consequences judged because it's not the justice of the cross. 
And whatever we've lost, you know, God, we had up over here on the boards in the church, God will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Why don't we believe that? Isaiah 22, people are like pits, you know, hell like prisoners in pits and they're slaves because there was no one to speak restore. Jesus came and he spoke restore. And we need to speak restore, restore over everything. You know, I'm doing that with my finances, with everything around me, you know, the house, everything, and just say, we've lost during this COVID. But I speak restore in the name of Jesus. So James tells us this um, in verses 1 to 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, sorry, it's James that said it, not Peter, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So the more it's tested, the more you stand and persevere, it then produces an attitude or a spirit of perseverance in you. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Church, just go and do a study on perseverance, patience, long-suffering, and uh, verses like that, and you will see the one thing that God wants to create in us is the ability to persevere. The Bible says those that persevere to the end are saved. And so the testing of my faith, faith is such an important commodity. It's an a God attribute, that it has to be tested. And the more it's tested and the more I stand in it, it develops in me the spirit of perseverance. The more I persevere with the things of God, the more mature I become, the more complete in Christ I become, the more I'm saved in that sense of the word. And then James says this, if in this process of you being tested and of a lack of perseverance, where you don't feel like you can carry on. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and without finding fault with you, He'll give it to you liberally, because in this situation, these circumstances, the very thing you need is wisdom from God. What an amazing God, hey? So just very quickly, I just want to go through a couple of things. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 6, 7, and 9, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold trials or temptations. And that's one of the things that I said. I don't, really don't want you to become heavy of heart. And I'm not trying to be trite. I'm not trying to diminish the struggles that you're going through. I'm really trying to exhort you and to comfort you. That the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried or tested with fire, may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, yet you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen to this, the trial of your faith, the testing of your faith, listen to what happens. You receive the end of your faith, the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. So church, the unfortunate news is that it has to be tried, it has to be tested in order to be refined and come out as pure gold, precious, complete, mature, lacking that you may be lacking nothing. And so just from this particular scripture, from 1 Peter 1, 6 to 9, I pull out seven principles, and I'm just going to name them quickly and wind down to an end. Seven principles in testing. Number one, the test is always only for a while. Go back and read those verses. It's always only for a while. It's not forever. And this may be the longest trial we've been through because it's been more than a year. But some people have been through much worse. Some of you have been through much worse in relationships and all kinds of things. You've been through many years, but you stood. And so the test is only for a while. And look at what Peter says. He said, if needs be. Now, it's amazing when there's a, like this pandemic, some people, it's not testing them. It really isn't. You know, some people have smashed their finances. Other people are, their businesses are doing better than any other time. You know, so in other words, the test then is not applicable to them. It's if needs be. The amazing thing about the test is that it's always tailor-made. It can be general and specific like the pandemic, but your particular set of circumstances within it is absolutely unique. So it's specific to you. And God wants to walk a road with you. And so every test brings trials of some kind. 
There are various trials. Number five, God brings the trial so that we can have genuine faith, tested or proven faith, tried faith. What is a faith that is not proven or tried? What is character that's never tested? It's nothing. It's a fluff of cotton wool. It's a vapor. And unfortunately, that's what happens. And then number six, you know, this faith of ours to God is more precious than gold. Can you see how Paul in Thessalonians just, I'm concerned about your faith. The central issue is faith because it is so precious. Because our whole lives is from faith from first to last. And then seven, your faith is God's glory at his appearing. In other words, it's for the praise and honor of God. Now, I'm just coming to a close. Let me give you Paul's sentiments. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to 20. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you, and often that's how I feel. I'm not being dramatic. You know, being separated from you, I feel orphaned in person, but not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted you to come. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope? our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? And you know, for all pastors and all teachers, we feel the same because my crown, my reward, my glory is you at the appearing of Jesus Christ because we give you back to him as an inheritance and we present you and say, that is the fruit of your ministry in us, your gifting in us. Jesus, look at these people. Look how they've grown. And Paul says, that's our crown. That's our glory when he appears. Now, just very quickly to conclude, responding in hard times, don't respond irrationally. Respond biblically. Don't respond exaggeratedly. By this I mean don't get into a deputy dog, you know, donkey, you know, Winnie the Pooh's donkey, you know, woes me, I'm the only one in the world, God can't see. Don't exaggerate the trial, you know, and then don't get into resentment, neither against God nor against people. Secondly, stand firm by trusting God. And one of the ways that you can stand firm is to continually Reflect on your spiritual identity, who you are in Christ Jesus. All the I am confessions. Come on, you're a son of God. Secondly, by walking in love. Love to God and love for people. There's other people around you that are going through a lot worse and maybe on the brink mentally or emotionally. So it's important for us to walk in love and to reaffirm not only our love for Jesus, but our love for one another. And then you know, hold fast. Hold fast to the Word. Hold fast to every good thing. Hold fast to your spiritual disciplines. Hold fast to live stream, you know, because you can't be in church. Hold fast to worship. Hold fast to prayer. Then thirdly, help others around you. Be an example. Be like the Judean church to the Thessalonian church. Be an example. So our, our response, so in other words, be present for people, listen to people, and what can you do to help? I'm telling you, I am phoning so many people, WhatsApping so many people, not even in ACF, outside of ACF, in our network churches, not only in the network churches, outside of our network churches. I'm phoning people, praying for them constantly. Late last night, I was messaging. And then, you know, people are phoning me, please pray for family members. I don't even know them. They've just been rushed to hospital with a COVID virus. I'm continually praying. And in, it's in a sense, I'm trying to be present for people that need help, be present. Be present for people. Be the one that people can turn to and pray for them. And so stand fast. And then just lastly, let me just say this. There's a world out there. There's a world out there that's rattled. It's confused. It's broken. It's smashed up. They don't have a foundation like we have in Christ. They don't. They don't have it. They're buckling under the pressure. Just not even a kilometer, 500 meters from here, the church building, someone committed suicide because of the COVID virus. We're hearing of that because they just thought life is over. What's the point? You know, they've lost their jobs. They've lost their employment. All the bad news that comes out, 
Man, there's good news in the Bible. This is the good news. And if we could just go and get our news from here. But there's a world out there that's spinning around in confusion, and they're looking for an example. They're looking for Judean churches. They're like the Thessalonians in that sense. They need someone to mimic. They need someone to emulate, someone to copy. They need to look at somebody and say, how are they coping with this thing? You know, this pandemic, how they're coping in trials. And, you know, Peter talks about it very plainly. There's an alternate society he talks about in Second Peter 4. He doesn't use those words. That's my interpretation of it. And the world is looking and saying, how are you doing it? How do you stand? What is the reason for the hope that's in you, says Peter? You know what? And hey, if they can see us, not panicking, you know, but we're going through the same thing. If they see us with hope in God, with positive confessions in our mouth, maybe it'll anchor them. You just do not know what it'll save them from. Maybe it'll save them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So come on, church. Don't be unsettled in your faith. And again, I'm not belittling anything or demeaning what some people are going through. Some people have been through just the worst of it. Lost loved ones, whole families dying. It's just unspeakable, unspeakable. But hey, you know, if we lose hope, if we lose confidence in God, if we lose faith, you know, we need to continue trusting and believing on God. Don't become unsettled. And um, for me, because of social media, because we're in contact with you, because we've got telephones, it delights me to see how so many of you are standing firm in the faith. And I'm getting reports of your faith and your love. So church, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord strengthen your faith. May you be strengthened by the encouragement that comes through scriptures and have great endurance. That's Romans 13 or 14 or 15. And I pray that you would draw into the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He's the one that's called alongside us to walk with us. He's in us. He's with us. And um, to draw strength from him. That when you feel like it becomes overwhelming, run to the secret place, the closet, because Jesus told us if we go into that place, the outcomes will be declared from the rooftop. But we've got to go into that unseen private place and spend time with him. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time. Go through all the messages on visitation because I'm saying it again. God is able to make sense even of our limited, finite, fragile prayers. Even when we're praying out of a complete lack of wisdom. Just like a child. When children are immature, they don't know how to present everything maturely. But we get the gist of what they want, and we give them what they want. And I believe that through all of our praying and our prophesying and our declaring, and still the COVID is present in the world, and particularly in South Africa, God is able to receive those prayers and make so much sense of it because he hears the heart, he hears the longings, he hears the cry of the Spirit from within, and he is able to respond and I am telling you before God, there's going to come an economic boom worldwide and there's coming a glorious, glorious move of God and great revival. And for you, I declare that as you pull into him, that God restores everything that this locust called COVID-19 pandemic has devoured shall be restored in your personal finances, in your family, and in your businesses, in Jesus' name. Man, I just, such a presence of God at the moment, such a strong anointing. I want to tell you that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And the standard that he will raise up in these days is the very special, dear, wonderful, third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. When the enemy would come in like a flood, God will raise up. So when the enemy would come in like a flood to overwhelm the enemy, God will raise up a standard and the standard will be his presence. And it will overwhelm and overflow. It's a promise. The prophets prophesied it. That the glory of God shall cover the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. It's a, it's a strange way of saying it. 
but the seabed in some places kilometers high the Marion Trench deeper than the height of Mount Everest so the flood will be of all the wickedness and evil God will flood out everything that great prophet Moses prophesied it first and then lastly Habakkuk prophesied it Ezekiel prophesied the temple would be Ichabod because the Messiah because the glory of God left but oh my goodness he talked about it coming back and then when Jesus came into Jerusalem it was Kabod but not so much for the Jews but for us who are the temple of the Holy Spirit so we are now Kabod the weight of the glory of God is in us but it's going to cover the whole earth may the Lord bless you and keep you turn his face towards you his grace his favor his mercy be upon you May the Lord just continue to increase you, protect you, prosper you. May he keep you from all deadly thing, every strategy of the enemy, every work of the devil. May he lead you not into, but out of temptation. May he strengthen you with might in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. May you have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length, the breadth, the height and the depth and to know the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord may he continue to grant to you and give to you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask think or imagine according to the glory of God in Christ may he infuse you with wisdom that is so profound may the joy of the Lord be your strength and a sure weapon in these days of depression. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may the love of God fortify you. May you be strengthened with a sure knowledge of how much you are loved. And may it transform your heart and heal all your insecurities. So be blessed until next week. Love you, saints. Love you, church. Love you, ACF. God bless you.